Good evening, church. It's good to be with you again, and thank you for the privilege of inviting me to be part of such a lovely day and the celebration of 104 years of this church. Uh, this morning, I explained um, my church anniversary approach and outlined what I thought then was a pretty outstanding and brilliant sermon, which I refused to preach to you. But suffice to say, congratulations, happy birthday, and how good it is to be here. And a thank you to uh, Martin for his welcome and indeed the whole of the ministry team, and to be part of a church which does things so well, from the music and the singing of the congregation and the choir to all the other things in a splendid lunch. This evening, we have such a special occasion. It's communion, which is a focus of so much of our understanding of gospel, of God who is a hospitable God, who makes us welcome. And with it, a particular focus of communion, which is healing. And that's going to be an important evening for, I think, some people in particular. And it's important that we take seriously that it's God's hand that will be giving healing, and it's God who welcomes us to communion. So it's a special evening, and my part is a small part, which is invitational, really, to remind you of the gospel, which you know, and to invite you in that preaching to come. Well, I want you to listen tonight, particularly with your hearts. And they sometimes get neglected in church, and we concentrate on, on our thoughts and our minds, all of which matters, but tonight I want you to listen with your heart. And the first part of your heart I want you to listen with is how hard it is to be a stranger, to be a foreigner, to sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. Now, for some of us, that's quite literal. You've had to come to this country and be in this country and face the difficulty of that, of singing the Lord's song when you're not at home. But for all of us, I would imagine there are times when being a stranger is something that you are familiar with. I grew up in three different countries, in Sierra Leone in West Africa, in cold North Norfolk by the sea, which is bitterly cold, and in Kenya, which was up in the highlands and was both on the equator and quite cool. I know the feeling of not singing the song in a foreign land, but of trying to go to sleep in a very cold land. Coming back from West Africa as a little boy when it was 32 degrees and nearly 100% humidity to the bitter chill of North Norfolk burnt in me and my heart coldness. Some of you may know that feeling. And how difficult it was to be in those different countries, to be in West Africa and to miss home, which was cold Norfolk, and to be among people who I was familiar with. But then to be in Norfolk and to miss home, which was in West Africa, where it was lovely and warm and the food was a lot nicer. <laughs> or to be in Kenya and to miss home in West Africa, and to miss home in North Norfolk, and then as a, a young boy to be sent to a boarding school for the children of missionaries, where home was anywhere but there. It's hard to be a stranger. It's hard to be a foreigner. 
and not to be at home. And I wonder if you can hear that and feel that with your heart. And when you hear the words of that lovely psalm, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? There are captors demanded of us a song. We had to perform for them. We had to tell them about our land. And yet, heart wasn't in it. So by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept. Homesickness is an all-consuming pain that touches every single bit of you. And as a little boy in a boarding school, feeling homesick and not quite knowing where home was. You know that feeling because at different times you've been a stranger. You've been in a new place or a new school or a new town or a new relationship. You've been in a new country and you've not felt at home anymore. Hear me with your heart. It's a strange thing for people to say to you when you visit them, make yourself at home. I often wonder what they think. I don't want to describe exactly what I wear when I'm truly at home, but it surely isn't what they would expect. To make yourself at home is to be completely comfortable and not to worry and fret. I remember when I was going around in Britain quite a lot, preaching and taking part in meetings and listening to people, I used to get my diary filled up to the very top by the chair of district. And it was when I was working with Martin and when I was later on as president. And so the person who did my diary with me at church house used to say to the chairs of district, could you give him some space during the day? And it was always a bit awkward because you were visiting somewhere and they didn't expect you to need space. This was your job. And so you'd get up at eight and you'd go through meetings till lunch and then you'd get parcel off to somebody else who had expected that you'd already eaten but you hadn't and you'd spent the rest of the afternoon longing for something to eat before you passed off for the evening meetings. Anyway, my, uh, my colleague at Church House really insisted that I should have some space and so... I was taken to this house in the afternoon of a Methodist minister who was uh, known very much to my family. We knew him and his family. And he said, you've been given an hour to be at home. And I thought, that's not long, but it's very nice. And he sat me down in his front room and he said, I just want you to be at home. I want you to go to sleep if you need to go to sleep. And I want you just to relax because you've got a very busy rest of the day. So I sat down in this large armchair and I was about to close my eyes when I noticed he hadn't left the room. He sat opposite me, whispering words of encouragement, just be at home. <laughs> and then his wife came in and she sat on the sofa and she watched me and she said, I want you to be at home with us. Just relax because you've got a busy day. And then the daughter came in and sat next to her mother and all three of them watched me. And after three quarters of an hour, it was like they'd had enough of watching with me. So I then had to have tea with them, which was very lovely. But it wasn't home, because I'm antisocial at home, I promise you. <laughs> I want you to hear with your heart, how can I sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? To feel 
that sense of being stranger and not at home. And if you want to get a sense of how desperate that can be, how desperate homesickness can be, how desperate the longing to be at home can be, then look at the last sentence of that extraordinary psalm. The anger, the outrage, the bitterness, the fury that says, happy the person who dashes your children against a rock. This is not advice of how Christians should behave. This is a suggestion that being stranger is tough. In the time of Jesus, to be a stranger was to be a stranger in your own land. For it was a conquered people. And you can read the New Testament and the teaching of Jesus entirely through the lens of this. How can we go on being the people we are when we are an invaded people with the Romans? How can we sing the Lord's song when the exile is at home? And Jesus is teaching about loving your enemy, doing good to those that despitefully use you. Jesus is teaching about going the extra mile for the invading force, the Roman soldier, or giving your shirt. Jesus' teaching about love is about loving when you're so desperate that you sing the psalm, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? I want you to think of something else with your heart. Being poorly, how horrible that is. How like being homesick, sickness can become the normal in your life. I was a hospice chaplain for many years and I was with somebody who had just woken up. He'd woken up, bless him, because I'd said to him, good afternoon. And he woke up and he looked at me and he said, it's almost as if my pain had said, wake up, where have you been? In sleep, he had not felt it, but when I woke him, he woke to the pain that was his normal. His normal, because that's where he was. He was in the place of sickness. And sometimes, even quite minor sickness, when you've had a fever, you've had the flu, and you're body aches and you wish you could lie down and rest and you suddenly realize you are lying down and resting and it's not made as much difference as you hoped it would do and you're feeling wretched and if you're a man it's serious illness <laughs> serious illness but then when you're poorly and your tummy's been hurting and you've been feeling sick and your head's been hurting and your legs are aching then one day you wake up and you begin to realise you're feeling better. Isn't it the loveliest feeling in the world? Isn't it lovely as slowly what you thought was normal goes away and you begin to be well again? And slowly you get up and you begin to feel the delight of movement again and you suddenly wonder where all the pain has gone. What is it to be normal if you're in a strange land and everybody else thinks they know? What is it to be normal if you've been poorly and suddenly you begin to get better? I want to say this, that home is normal. Well is normal. 
And the gracious invitation of God is to come home. It is for this reason that through the distance of time and space and creation, he sent his only son to reach out to those that feel strange or feel alien or feel sick or feel tired and weary who just long for home to call them to come home, to feel well, to feel at home and not a stranger anymore. The Old Testament is full of God's love towards the stranger in your land. Why? Because we're meant to feel accepted. We're meant to feel valued for who we are. We're meant to feel the embrace of companionship and normality and the wonder of people who welcome us and know how we are. I had the strangest experience recently. I went out to celebrate the 200th anniversary of the first British missionaries to the Methodist Church in Sierra Leone, which had been founded by some freed slaves from Nova Scotia who'd started in Freetown. And after about 20 years of church, they wrote to Thomas Cook in this country and said, could you send us some helpers? And we sent one young Methodist minister and three teachers, and they started out in Freetown to support the existing church that was in Freetown and upcountry. And I went back to preach at the, uh, the service. I was one of three preachers, you'd be glad, just me tonight, and five collections, just say, at the Warren Memorial Chapel. It was a lovely experience, which I'll tell you about on another occasion. Just one moment. We landed at the airport, and the door opened, and I was hit by this embrace of the warmth I grew up in. <laughs> it was an extraordinary feeling, partly of home and partly of strangeness, because like anybody who's lived in more than one country, where is home? Jesus invites us to come home, to come home where we can sing the Lord's song, to come home where we don't feel strange and not normal, to come home where we are well and healed. One last thing. I wonder how you think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As I've grown up as a Christian and listened to so many different views, part of me has heard that it's a strange experience, accompanied by things that are peculiar and odd and not quite normal and just a bit edgy. And I've learned a lot from people who've talked of those gifts of the Spirit and they've explained their purpose to me and I've understood and valued them. I have no quarrel. But my experience of the Holy Spirit is that it is ultimate normality. It is healing when you've been feeling poorly. It is finding your way home when you thought you were lost. It is the warm embrace of those that love you and keep you. For we are destined by God to be vessels of the Holy Spirit, to be made whole in the Spirit and healed of our sins and our hurts and our sickness and all that diminishes us as human beings. The Holy Spirit is God's welcome home, the warm embrace if you grew up there, 
of a West African summer's day. The warm embrace, if you've been brought up in England, of a hot fire on a cold night with crumpets toasting away. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said these words. I want you to hear them with your heart. He said to us and says to us now, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for its burden is easy and it is well-fitting for you. I offer you those words tonight as we come to communion to eat the flesh and to drink the blood of our Lord Jesus who died that we might live, to receive oil of healing so that you may have the unction of the Holy Spirit, the soothing oil upon the head of those who will feel bruised and battered and sore and tired. I urge you to hear the words. He says, come to me, come home to me. And for some, that is the healing of the moment. I remember preaching trying to be helpful, a sermon which I emphasise that healing can take years and that it's something that's gradual. And afterwards, a man took me to task and he said, you don't know anything. He said, I was an alcoholic. I was in hospital yet again. I had hidden the bottle that I was going to drink next morning in a large flower pot in the corner of the ward. And during the night, the Lord healed me in an instant, completely and totally. I am an alcoholic and I have been sober for the last 45 years. So I don't want to say it may take time. It may not. Tonight may be the moment when you come and you find your home immediately. The problem lifted and taken away. The healing of this moment will stay with you for eternity. Come, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. I will ease you. I will heal you and forgive. Come and receive the Holy Spirit and know that you are at home, even in a strange place. But also we need to remember, as Moffat does in his translation of the Scriptures, when he says, come unto me and I will refresh you. Because it may be that you need to go away this evening with a burden you've had for years and the burden will still be yours as you go. But tonight, have your shoulders rubbed. Have a moment of relief. Feel the refreshment of God's Holy Spirit who in the presence of our enemies feeds us, who anoints our head with oil, who comforts us, who walks with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. Come and be refreshed tonight. If it is your problem, your burden to carry a little while longer, then be refreshed. And for some it may just be the beginning of a process of healing and forgiveness and mending. So that you, on a journey with Christ that may have been going for years, tonight is just another step. When as you receive the bread and the wine and the communion... And as you receive the oil of anointing, you're given another push along the journey, another reassurance. Come unto me, says Jesus. Come home so that you can sing the Lord's song, even in a foreign land.
And then lastly, in that invitation, is to take a yoke upon you. We are not saved for our own entertainment, but to redeem the world. And part of healing is always that we take on part of the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, that we may be ministers as well. There are no simple passengers in church. We are all ministers to each other and to the world. And so as you come tonight to sing the Lord's song at home again, then hear as you listen carefully to the call of Jesus to you to take on a burden that is suited to you, well-fitting and light, so that you may part be also part of his ministry of healing and wholeness and holiness in our world. Amen.